So today, I'm very excited because I get to do the one thing that I love to do, which is to just tell a story. I love telling stories. I love sharing my heart. I love just talking. And today, I'm not going to be spending a ton of time unpacking scripture. I am going to be telling you a story. Um, and so the story I want to tell you is really why is legacy part of one of, one of our values in this family? Um, and so I've, I've been reflecting on this a lot because I've known that I'm going to be doing this for a, quite some time. And actually, the thing is that Jesus is the ultimate, he left like the ultimate legacy. Because the thing is, like here I am, 2008, you know, eight, all these years later, and actually because of the legacy Jesus left, I got to hear the gospel. Because he was a father who raised up his disciples as sons who became fathers and on and on the message of the gospel spread through the ages, you know, that's a big brief summary, but it wasn't like that exactly. But basically, it is a marvel to me that I actually got to hear the truth of who Jesus is and got to hear about him and actually be able to give my life to this incredible king um, because actually he left a legacy. And um, the thing about Jesus is that he actually, he also modelled what true covenant was. Like he was the one who said in John 15, 13, greater love has no one in this than he laid down his life for his friends. Um, and that is just the perfect expression of actually what does it look like to be a father who raises sons is actually I'm going to lay my life, I'm going to make a covenant with you where I'm going to lay my life down for you and you're going to lay your life down for me and actually this is going to be a mutually beneficial raising up of you know, sons who become fathers. And so, Kezia, I just want to say thank you. You did an absolutely stunning job last week of unpacking family for us, which is part of legacy. I really, Andy had already said it, but please do listen to Kezia's message because it was just stunning. Um, and actually, one of the ways that family is expressed in hope really is by mutual owner. Um, that actually we want to esteem fathers and mothers who raise up sons and daughters to become mothers and fathers and on and on and on it goes um, so that we actually are a family cheering everyone on to become who we are and fulfill everything that God's called us to um, but the thing about mothers and fathers is that they are wired to raise sons and daughters but that only happens if we let them because there has to be a willingness, there actually has to be a heart and a heart posture and a trust and an honour that we as sons and daughters actually need to give them that causes us to receive and to inherit. So Katie mentioned this one last week, but Exodus 20, 12, honour your mother and father that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. On a rare street, um, a long, full life. So that was a conditional promise to the Israelites that actually, I believe, is, is completely true of us. Like, I want to, I want everything to go well and my life to be long and inherit the land. And actually, if it, occur, it, is, it, is, it exists with my natural biological parents, but actually, I believe that it is also something that we need to do with spiritual parents as well. That actually, if we want to, um, take all the land that God's given us if we want to see the promises that God has for us fulfilled, all the things he's called us to we actually need the momentum and the strength and the input that is coming our way and the blessing actually from mothers and fathers who 
our fault and learn lessons in our head of where we are so that we actually get to enter. Like Jesus talked about us having an abundant life and actually we get to have a fully abundant life. I, I believe is that when we can actually not only get blessings of mother, mothers and fathers, but we have like heaven's blessing because of our hearts are postured the way that they're meant to be. The Bible teaches us that if you receive a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. And for me, that's the same. It's the same with a spiritual mother or just any mother or father. Actually, we need to steward um, what we have in front of us. Personally, like I need to steward everything that God's given me, but I need to steward who God has given me. Because we have got some incredible mothers and fathers in this family. We've got some incredible um, brothers and sisters and some incredible sons and daughters that we actually need to really um, steward who God has given us. Because actually, honour... I believe that honour is the key to unlocking everything that God has for you. Um, and so today I just want to briefly look, um, I did say I'm not going to unpack the Bible, we're just going to briefly look at the story of um, Ruth. Um, and I'm not going to tell the whole story, if you've done a whole reads, you've read that whole story recently, so it should hopefully be fairly fresh in your mind. Um, but what I want to do is just pull out a few things that I think are really um, key and like highlight some of the just some of the way that my life works really um, because my story actually really is a foundational part of whole church story. I've been here for a long time. I'll tell you a bit more about that in a moment. So Naomi um, in the book of Ruth, Naomi and her husband Elimelech, they had two sons um, who were called uh, Malon and Kilion. Malon, I just think this like man because. The way that names worked in the Bible was they knew what the name meant when they were calling them that. So Malon's name means sickly and Killian's name means wasting away. So they um, moved to Moab and uh, Elimelech died and then Naomi's uh, sons married uh, two Moabite women, Ruth and um, Orpah. And after 10 years, uh, they died. But unsurprising given those names, they ought to have known what they were letting themselves in for, I think. Anyway, um, so Naomi then decides to go back to um, Bethlehem because she hears that there's abundant crops and the harvest and she wants to go back to her own land. And um, she tells uh, Ruth and Orpah, listen, you know, you just stay here. You're, essentially, you're not obligated to the law, which was that they were meant to care for her. Um, I release you from that. You're free on you go back, I'm never going to be able to give you kids that you can marry, you're not going to have like a husband and it's not going to work, so bosh on, back to your own family, get married again somewhere else and uh, cheat you Now, heart-wrenching because they kept weeping and it was all, they kept pleading and staying and lots of tears because they were, they loved each other. So eventually what happens is Orpah leaves and Ruth um, makes her famous declaration to Naomi, which is what I'm going to read um, you should all probably have heard it before, but we'll just have a recap. Ruth 1, 15, 17. Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also of anything but death parts me from you. So have you ever asked yourself, what was it that caused... Ruth to just declare such a monumental heart commitment in the first place. Do we often think of that? But I think that actually she didn't do it of obligation. Wasn't it of guilt? 
I actually believe that it was out of a deep heart of love and just a recognition from her that actually being with Naomi was her destiny. That she um, recognised that actually she was meant to be with Naomi and that she was prepared and wanted to make a covenant with her to be with her for the rest of her life. I mean, this smacks of marriage vows right here. Um, and so... Um, they go to Bethlehem, and this is going to be the fastest version of this story ever. Are you ready? They go to Bethlehem, and she decides to go and glean in the fields, which was essentially the welfare system of the day. The field happens to be Boaz's field. God set that one up. That's quite fun. And basically, um, he sees her, blindly, wants to give her lots of favour, and he's also one of the kinsman redeemers eh, for the family, and he decides, I'll be having you, after um, Naomi eh, gives Ruth some instructions about how to basically go and let him know that, yes, she would quite like him to marry her, and then they, um, he sorts it out super wisely with the other kinsman redeemer so that he gets to have her and they get married and then they have a kid. So that's the quick version because I don't really want to read the full story so you can read it yourself later. So I just want to pull out a few things from this story that I think are remarkable and actually um, are things that I've learned and that are really helpful just as we look at what does it look like to have a covenant with someone, what does it look like to have a, for her, a spiritual mother. I mean, she was a Moabite, following Yahweh and being of Jewish faith wasn't her norm, she would have changed to that um, and on marriage um, so so first thing is this that, that Ruth actually, I've said this already but Ruth chose her people chose Naomi over her destiny she had no idea what a future with Naomi held but she chose her rather than knowing where, what it was going to look like um, secondly, she humbled herself she gleaned in the fields. I mean, that was like the lowest of the low thing to do, as I say, welfare system of the day. Um, and she received incredible favour because of whose daughter she was. So Boaz told her to stay in his field. He gave her food and wine. He uh, told his workers to deliberately drop extra um, for her to collect. Um, and then Ruth also served... Um, and laid her life down for Naomi, actually not expecting anything in return. And then when Naomi tells uh, her to, you know, about marrying Boaz and gives her all of the threshing floor instructions, actually Ruth willingly defers to Naomi. She submits to her guidance and really displays incredible trust because her response after all the instructions are, are explained um, is this, all that you say to me, I will do. No, oh, I don't think that's a good idea, or I don't like your thought. She just deferred, she submitted, and she just yielded to this mum in her life who actually, um, she wanted to just serve and love. Um, so for Ruth, covenant looked like not walking away. She stayed with Naomi. She amazingly found an incredible destiny and became the grandmother of King David and actually related to Jesus. She is one of five women mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus. An absolutely remarkable story. I just encourage you to have a fresh read of it. Um, and so the, I'm going to unpack some of the things that um, 
I've just highlighted as I go. So for me, if you don't know me, um, I'm Jan McFarlane. Uh, I've actually been part of Hope Church um, since uh, January 2005, quite a long time ago. So I've been here for 13 and a half years. Um, it's a long time. And um, the thing that's been incredible to watch, actually, is just um, how Andy and Teresa, I mean, they came and planted this church back in the day. Um, and it's just been incredible to watch how they have pioneered and really admirably led our family um, over the years. They have uh, laid down their lives um, in response uh, to God calling them to Glasgow. And they've just really aligned themselves with all that God has asked them to do in this nation and I, um, you may not know this but I know this because I am close to them but that time they have wanted uh, to give up and walk away and yet they have remained obedient and they have paid a price um, actually and uh, really given their lives for my benefit and for all of your benefits and um, actually I, as a daughter I get to live uh, in a world uh, that Andy and Teresa created by praying, praying, paying a great price. Um, it's free for me, and I just get like pulled up to their level and where they're at. And I'm, they're not, I'm just not just a daughter, like, I actually am a spiritual daughter, and that is a huge privilege and a massive blessing. And I would not be who I am or where I am um, if it hadn't been for both of them, actually, and the way that they have um, loved me and cheered me on and all the other things which I'm going to unpack as we go. Um, and so, um, the thing is that um, Hope Church is actually built on a foundation of covenant and of mums and dads raising up daughters and sons to become mums and dads. Actually, without covenant, we wouldn't be here. God's covenant to us, but the covenant that has been made, um, you know, hanging on with the leaders of the past and the current ones that we have as elders. Um, and so for me personally, like I have been on a huge journey um, through all of this. I, um, when I was growing up, my sort of mantra uh, for life was, uh, no one can make me do anything that I don't wanna do. So um, as you can imagine, I was a particularly difficult teenager in high school because that was my motto like teacher trying to get me to do something I'm like you can't make me uh, I often got kept behind uh, because <laughs> they basically wouldn't comply um, but the thing about that is that it actually continued into my adult life uh, and many years ago uh, many years ago God spoke to me um, about Andy and he said um, I want you to trust him and to say yes um, to his requests even if you think they won't fly um, as he is being obedient to me. And the thing was, actually, what I began to quickly realise is that committing to a leader and submitting to their authority and actually supporting really their vision and the call of God in their life is one of the most freeing things I could have done. Um, because submitting to people is actually like, it reflects a willingness to submit to God. Um, now, that wasn't easy for me because, uh, you know, I all sorts of ideas about, um, you know, basically I was very independent, uh, probably very selfish and arrogant, a bit of a know-all attitude. And so I really needed God to tell me that because there have been lots of things that Andy has asked me to do over the past 13 and a half years. And 
without any similar responding no, I have gone away, I've said, I'll come back to you on that one. And I've gone away to God and been like, I don't want to do this. There's no way that's such a rubbish idea. And then God's been like, I've told you to say yes to him, I want you to say yes to this. And I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? But actually what God has done is he has got that out of me actually that I, he just molded and shaped me so that I actually I'm not like that anymore thankfully or I hope not um, and so years before um, God spoke to me um, actually no not spoke to me sorry years before I started uh, going on ministry trips with Andy and Teresa or before I started um, I'm the former leader of HSSL but years before um, that happened actually God spoke to me um, consecutive years um, lots of times about um, that I was called uh, to co-labour with Andy in ministry now uh, God says things sometimes you know, like, I'm very good what do you expect me to actually do with that um, you don't just make yourself be a co-labour in ministry like, how do you do that and so really what, what I did choose to do was I chose to posture my heart towards um, Andy and Teresa and really just intentionally um, pursue them to line up with the fact that God had spoken something and I need to play my part in that and God needed to then, I need to just wait for God to do the rest. Um, and so really what happened, Andy had a, he's told you this a lot of times before, but he had a real journey of um, kind of getting reawakened to who he um, really was. And actually it was his journey and hunger and discovery that actually kick-started mine. So off he was, paving the way as a forerunner, and I actually just got to kind of, I talk about getting into someone's slipstream. So I just got to line up behind him and be like, I'm just going to take all of this for free. Thank you, Jesus. Um, and then actually what happened was I got propelled forward um, as a bit of a forerunner um, myself. Um, and But the thing is that actually as I appointed my heart to him and to Jesus, actually the things that God has called me to do have started to happen as I've laid down my life and served. Um, and actually learning to serve has really been one of my keys to growth. Um, it's almost like when you're serving, um, it's like God is sort of incubating and growing in you um, what he's put in there. And it's just like bubbling away. But actually, you're just serving. And, act- and he is not bringing it to fruition yet. And that can be frustrating because you're like, when's it going to be my turn? When am I going to get a shot? But actually, um, it is an amazing uh, thing to do. And actually, really, it's biblical. So Galatians 5.1 says, Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. And I don't think we talk enough about serving one another humbly in love personally. And what's fascinating to me is that many, many of the people that we admire and think, oh, they're such an incredible person. So Bill Johnson, for example, he served doing uh, admin and kids work and doing worship, um, not because he was called to, but because it was needed. And like my story would be the same. I, um, When I first joined Hope uh, all those years ago, one of the first teams I was part of was the Welcome Team, which is a great thing to do. I honestly love the Welcome Team because you just get to say hello to everyone and then you get to know people really quickly and it's just great. So I highly recommend it if you're looking to get to know people, that's just the one to join. 
Um, and then I was on kids work actually, I did kids work for like seven years. I'm like, gosh, that's a long time, seven years. Um, I was also in the worship band, uh, and I also I remember being on all three one Sunday. I was on Welcome, it was a lady, it's like, so it was like, hello, welcome to Hope Church, and then I was up with the microphone singing, and then I was looking after the people's kids. Hilarious, but <laughs> but the thing is that, um, and also I um, I was a small group leader for about five years. I served in a, we had an initiative which was like a hostel that we um, fed the homeless in and uh, Mark Spivey and I did that for a couple of years, two years together. Was I called to do any of those things? No, not really. Uh, not particularly at all, in fact. But the thing is that in a family, chores need to be done. And I um, served and I poured out and I loved and I served and I served. And actually what God did and is doing still as I serve, is that he grows in you. Um, you know, like Jesus grew in wisdom and stature before God and before man. That is what happens. If you just are humbly serving, God is growing something inside of you that then is on display and you didn't really realise. Um, so I just encourage you, I would appeal to you, like, find a team and serve and watch what God does as he just grows you. Um, so more than uh, six years ago, um, Andy asked me um, to lead um, HSSL. And uh, I remember inside being like, no, no, I don't want to do that. And uh, But what I did was dutifully, being obedient to God, I was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll have a chat to God and I'll come back to you. So off I go. And then God's like, I want you to say yes to him. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> um, but actually, and what I did essentially was I served someone else's dream. And he had a dream and a word from God about uh, a school. It wasn't my word, it wasn't my dream, um, but I served. And I um, have found that really um, the way to promotion is through serving. Now, you don't, you don't serve to get promoted, but actually, as Scripture tells us, that the humble will be exalted. And that is um, exactly um, what has happened for me, really. Um, and the other thing is that like, like with uh, Naomi and Ruth, um, mothers and fathers actually help us help release us into our destiny. Um, so, for example, I um, Andy has had uh, God spoken to him about um, cancer being healed, um, and God has spoken to me about um, seeing people come out of wheelchairs. And actually, um, we saw that happen together in the same person in Maastricht. And so, there's something about. Um, God, like you get released into your destiny, but actually, as you partner with one another, they can the, the spiritual pain can get released into theirs too. Um, and I am um, then in the April 2013, I um, was asked to be to sit in on uh, the leadership team, the senior leadership team. And uh, again, I was like, I'm just going to chat to God, see what He says, and uh, He told me to say yes. Um, never did I, you know, did I ever think, oh, I want to be an elder? No, never had that thought. God just kept telling me um, what I had to do. So, um, but what I mean, really, what actually happened was, as I, in the same way that you have a journey in the natural with your own parents. So when I was a teenager, you know, there comes a moment where you kind of clash with your parents as you're really becoming your own person. Um, and... That happens with my mum and also with my dad. Um, but 
there is a similar journey that I personally have been on with spiritual parents, eh, less so with Jesus, um, but particularly with Andy, my my growing <laughs> from a daughter to a spiritual mum, and really, I know, co-labour in ministry, um, has meant that both he and I have had to make a lot of adjustments um, as we've learned what it, what does it mean to lead together, um, which has really been a massive transition for both of us. And We've needed huge amounts of love and trust um, and lots of communication because we're, although similar in many ways, we are very different. Um, so there's lots of opportunity for us to misunderstand one another and unintentionally frustrate one another. Um, <laughs> um, but I just want to share um, this story next because it is part of the journey. So in July um, 2014, I was at European Leaders Advance down in Harrogate, and I heard uh, Chris Ballatin um, tell a story, which I want to share with you. Now, he didn't share this story in the full detail I'm going to give you, but I have since listened to the entire story, so you're going to get the full version. So, the background is um, that Chris Ballatin and Bill Johnson, who are um, currently now both in Reading, California, Bethel Church, um, so this is back in the day when uh, they lived in Weaverville, and uh, Weaverville is like a it's really small. There's like three and a half thousand people. <laughs> I actually went there to the church that they went to. It was just like, wow, the town is like tiny. Anyway, it's about one hour from Reading, and they'd been together for about 15 years, and um, Bill then off he went to Reading because he was going to lead Bethel Church. And so for about um, two years they were apart, but a year and a half into that two years, Bill and Chris go on a, a ministry trip to a YWAM base um, in Colorado, and they, they shared a small cabin with a twin room and uh, one bathroom and a shared room. And uh, for five nights, as Chris went to the bathroom um, and he walked past Bill, whose bed was nearest to the door, and every night as he walked past, he heard Bill talking in his sleep, saying, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, you're amazing. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I've always loved you. And by the fifth day, Chrissy's heart was completely wrecked by God um, as he realised, actually, I don't... What, what was wrecking his heart was that two things. One was that here was a man who loved God more than he did and was actually... That was messing with him and catalytic to him wanting to love God more. And the second thing was that he realised, I don't have a destiny without this man and I was supposed to be with him and uh, so they flew home and they're in the airport um, as they connect with another flight and Bill turns to him and says I want you to come to Reading um, and start a school of ministry and leave everything now um, he also said I have no money to pay you and at that time Chris had four businesses and 42 employees in three cities um, and his head freaked out understandably but in his heart his heart really said you were born to be with this man. And so he got home and told his wife the story and he just said to her, like, I don't care what it takes, I need to be with Bill and the only thing I want to do is to be with this man and help him in his destiny. So um, Chris moves to um, Reading, but he hadn't worked for anyone for about 20 years and him and Bill just did not get along. And for three years, they basically argued and struggled and um, it was a bit of a nightmare, I think. And then a job opened up in another church, and Chris was like, oh, brilliant. 
thank you Lord this will just answer all our problems I'll just move away and leave and um, so he just because he didn't want to stay at Bethel he was just like wanted to go but he had said to God he was praying about it and he said like God I don't want to stay but I'll do whatever you tell me to do and um, he had a significant dream where God showed him really his two futures one if he left or if he stayed and also God spoke to him and said I want you to make a covenant with Bill that you'll stay with him for the rest of your life and so for two months he totally agonised over that and he's just like oh I don't want to stay here I want to leave um, and then um, they off they go on some retreat weekend together and they hadn't spoken for two months um, they just apart from saying hello and so they go and this retreat is a five hour car journey and for four and a half hours they sit in silence and in the last half hour, Chris is sitting thinking, I have to say something, I have to say something. And um, he basically blurts out, um, God has told me um, to make a covenant to serve you the rest of my life and to be with you for the rest of my life. And it takes 30 seconds for Bill to respond, poor guy. And all he says is, thank you. So here's your Chris has did this big monumentous thing that he's been agonising over two months. And, uh, and then a month later, um, Bill um, said to him, I want to make a covenant to be with you too forever. And, uh, and then it didn't happen straight away, but God really just restored uh, the love that Chris had for Bill. And um, he actually came into the, all that God had called him to, all the prophetic words over his life, his own personal mission and vision for his life. God fulfilled it because he stayed with a family like Ruth did with Naomi. Um, so when I heard Chris tell this story, I got completely messed up because I sat there listening to him. I mean, I was properly undone uh, because I sat and listened to him and realised like, what he is saying, like how he feels about Bill, I feel like that about Andy. Now, I feel like that about Jesus, but in that moment, it was specifically, I feel like that about Andy. And... Um, Sometimes our heart knows something, but our head can't explain it. And what happened was he articulated and put into words what I felt in my heart. And that messed me up because I'm like, that's kind of huge, oh no. Um, and so I head over to Andy at the end of the meeting in the best way I knew how. And um, it was just like, blue, I feel like that about you too. Um, <laughs> and uh, I don't fully remember how he responded, he probably told me that he loved me and hugged me, but I know that it did impact him deeply, and so life carried on, and then um, some years later, um, Andy and I will have what I'm going to call um, a relational breakdown on a mass scale. Um, <laughs> the details are not relevant, but suffice to say that we were both in a considerable pain, um, I taken some actions which had um, deeply hurt Andy and uh, we didn't actually speak at all for two weeks and uh, there was definite body swearing happening in church and um, which is unheard of that I always say hi to Andy in church and I always hear from him in the week and um, I specifically remember it was his birthday and uh, I sort of like sent a wee happy birthday message, bit of an olive branch moment to see how are we okay or how, really, how bad is this and I got no reply and I was like this is beyond bad, oh no, this is like beyond bad because um, that is unheard of, I mean he always replies to birthday texts from me um, so 
And then I had lunch with Cheesa somewhere in the middle of this two weeks, and I just basically broke down. I mean, I am not prone to tears uh, unless something horrific is happening or it's a profound God moment. And this was definitely the former. And uh, because my heart was in physical pain, I was sore. I, it hurt to be in a room and not have, like, I was physically sore because Andy and I were not talking or needing speaking or having any hug or proximity at all. Um, and the thing is that when you covenant your heart to someone, actually, you have to fix the relationship because running away is not an option. Um, and being miserable actually isn't a plan. Uh, so, um, I, I, Teresa was just like, uh, you know, love, she was lovely, uh, mopped up my tears, and I was just like, right, that's it, enough's enough, we need to fix this. Um, because, yeah, it's too valuable. And um, so I was utterly dreading. So we arranged to meet up, and I was utterly dreading it. And literally, it was like, I'm really looking forward to this being fixed. But it was that kind of like, uh, how would you describe it? Like horrific excitement. So basically just being like, this is going to be awful, but I'm really looking forward to it. But them dreading it at the same time. And so um, we courageously spent hours uh, processing our pain to get the mess cleared up and forgiving each other and really listening to understand. Um, because the goal of any conflict is to come out with a more intimate connection at the end. And the option, I'm out of here, is not there for me, and it's not there for him. And um, so we got totally reconciled. Uh, praise Jesus, <laughs> it was, uh, took a long time, um, many hours of pain, um, but um, everything got dealt with, but it was still like really awkward. And um, so I thought, well, this is kind of, need to do something about this. And so I actually intentionally pursued Andy and um, we had like weekly meetups uh, thereafter. And so where I'm at now is that my relationship with Andy and Teresa is actually the best that it has ever been. It has been tough, but we have fought and we have won. Um, and will we still disagree with each other going forward? Uh, I 100% expect so. But we actually have got a healthy heart connection and a trust and a deep love so that any upsets can quickly deal with. And actually we've made a covenant with one another, like Ruth did with Naomi or Chris did with Bill, that we are going to be together. Um, and so spiritual moms and dads in Hope Church, they actually want to see us go beyond anything that they have ever accomplished. And I feel the same way. It's, it's in my DNA. If you're younger than me, I want to see you run past me. But this is not about, this is not really race past the baton. This is actually um, about, like God gave me this picture a few years ago and it's like, picture an athletics track. Um, what we're, what spiritual mums and fathers with sons and daughters looks like is not here, here's the baton, cheo. It is actually um, that we are all running the race, we're in our different lanes, um, that we're maybe running at a different pace, but we're all on the same journey. And what I saw in the picture were springboards on the track at different points. So you're running along and the next thing you hit a springboard and it propels you forward and so you gain more momentum than the person who's running behind you. But we're still on the same race. And that is what, that is a picture of what it looks like to run alongside one another. Um, that actually we, we, we benefit from each other's um, breakthroughs and we get to impart one another um, and um, 
we actually get the revelation and the goodies that we've each had we had to pass on to one another. Um, so I just want to ask you the question, like, what are you doing with what's been sown, deposited, imparted to you and what you have inherited for free from mums and dads in your life? Because our job is to increase what we've been given and to run with it and to pass it on. Um, so I have quite a few um, spiritual daughters that I've raised um, who are now mums themselves. But one of my spiritual daughters uh, is Nicola Kasichka, who is just back from London and sitting here in the front row. Um, and actually, we were in Prague last year, and there was just a real supernatural, profound God moment for her in the way that Ruth had with Naomi, or Chris had, or I had. Um, that actually she um, made like a heart pledge to me and basically said, you know, you're my people and wherever you go, I'll go. Um, and even if that's all over the world. And so we both were quite messed up uh, by that. I think just that sense of, oh my goodness, we're meant to be together. And that's the sense of heaven's approval um, on that. And so I've just started to intentionally raise her as a daughter. It's like, okay, well, this is what God has said. We're just going to work with that. Um, and what that's meant is that um, actually she gets to benefit from things that I have, but also the things that Andy and Teresa have. Um, because actually inheritance and legacy looks like everything gets passed on that you go and the other person gets it for free. So for Nicola, in her head, the question of can women be leaders doesn't even feature because of why well, like, that's not even a thing that they're not, is it? Uh, because actually we fought and won. Jesus fought more than I have. Uh, that actually women in leadership is not a big issue. And so um, another thing is that um, actually because of my connection to Andy and Teresa, actually Nicola doesn't really know Andy very well, but she feels like she does because she's joined to me. And that is what it's meant to look like. And so I just want to show you a picture of some redwood trees uh, before we finish. If you could bring that up, Gideon, that would be awesome. Um, I love redwood trees. I have seen them in person. You see a picture of me in a wee second. If you just flick through, here I am with a redwood tree. This is a very big one. If you could just move on to the next slide, that would be great. So redwood trees, they don't have uh, deep roots, but they actually have shallow ones which um, can intertwine and even fuse together. And they actually, if you could just go to the next slide, that would be great. And they um, send them out um, for hundreds of feet near the surface of the ground and they actually form like a network um, with other redwood trees around it. Uh, they depend on each other for nutrients and the trees um, are actually joined um, really into a tapestry um, that literally keeps them upright. Um, and I love that as an analogy for relationships in the body of Christ, that actually we have a tapestry of relational heart connections. Now, um, what that means is that um, like the people that God has placed around me, like brothers and sisters and mums and dads and uh, sons and daughters, they actually can all be connected to me. And because I'm connected to certain ones, then they feel like they're connected to another. And on and on it goes and spreads through the whole uh, church family. And so... Um, I just really want to ask you these questions, and then we're going to we're going to pray. I, I have something else I wanted to show, but I think for time's sake I'll post it on Facebook. But um, I just want to urge you to take time to ask God, who are your people? Who are the trees that He 
wants to put around you in the forest? Who are your spiritual parents, the people who are ahead of you that you can learn from and catch up with so that you can run together? Who are those that you are called to run alongside that will really be iron sharpening iron for you? Um, the ones that you're really called to do life with and be connected to? And who is it that's behind you that you can invest in, pour into and raise up? Because when you find your people, something inside of you resonates that sense of we were born to be together. Um, and so what I'm going to post um, is I've prepared, we're running out of time though, but I've prepared um, two slides. One, uh, the hallmarks of a spiritual mother and father. So really, how do you identify someone who could be that person for you? Um, and then once you have found them, what are some of the top tips of really how to connect with them? Um, and so I'm, we're not going to get to touch on that today, unfortunately, just because uh, we have got to time. But um, I just want to encourage you, there is a difference. Um, basically, not everyone can have access to me and not everyone can have access to Andy and Teresa as spiritual parents. But actually, that doesn't, because we've got limited capacity, actually, for who we adopt, but that doesn't mean that... Um, as a son or a daughter, when you know who you are, actually you can, it isn't about, um, it's not about proximity, it's about the condition of your heart. And so you can receive things from Andy and Teresa as parents in this house because you have a heart that is postured toward them to receive, not because you get to have dinner with them every month or every few weeks. Um, and actually, um, so like for me, I get to receive from other fathers. They're not my spiritual parents, but I get to receive um, from them. So like Danny Silk or Pete Carter, I only see them once a year. But I get to receive as a daughter from a father because I posture my heart to receive from them. Um, and so I just want to encourage you to actually be asking God, who are those people for you? Because he wants us to have covenant relationships. He wants us to have to find our spiritual moms and dads. He wants us to know who the people we're meant to be connected to around us, our brothers and sisters, and who are the ones he wants us to pour into. That's how legacy works. So I am an example of legacy working and being foundational in this family. Why is that core value? Because we've done it. It's tough. It's hard. But we want to see it replicated like those tree roots to different redwood trees all across the tapestry of this church family that actually you will be a mum and dad. You might be sitting there being like, I don't think I have one. I'm a bit old for that. Maybe God's calling you to be one. And maybe you don't realise you're unaware because you've never had anyone press into you for you to realise, oh, I'm actually really good at this. So why don't you stand? I'm going to pray. Spirit, I want to pray that you would help us, teach us how to be a people of covenant, a people of love, people of honour, and that you would really help us to take responsibility for our part in the legacy being built in this family. That you would show us, um, I pray that it would be really obvious, you would start to reveal to each and every person in this family who um, are the spiritual parents that you want to put in their life, who are the brothers and sisters that are, you're placed around them that they're meant to be connected to and run with, and who are the ones they're meant to be pouring into and investing in and raising up as sons and daughters who can become mothers and fathers. I want to pray, Holy Spirit, will you just get a hold of our hearts and our thinking?
everything around this subject was to give you permission to just speak into us and that, that you would do what happened for me and, and um, highlight and show um, people who, who is the one, who are they meant to connect to and um, that that would be the same for brothers and sisters, that they would just be like a magnetic effect that as we find our people we'll just be stuck to them like magnets and they'll be really obvious who they are. Yeah, I just pray, God, would you give us eyes to see people as you do? And I pray that the way it will happen for Ruth with Naomi, that we would find our people so that we can come into our destiny and fulfill all that you've put um, us on the planet for. I thank you for the momentum that is already built and is building in this family. And I pray that for each of us, that you would show us the part that we play so that the momentum can keep building. I thank you for legacy. I thank you for... And that it is a value in this family and I just pray would you help us to establish that in our own deity Father we love you we thank you Jesus thank you that legacy you're the one who is the greatest model and example of it and I pray that you teach and show us how to do it well thank you Father Amen Um, so just if you are in the part of the ministry team if you could come up that would be great Um, If you have been impacted in terms of, I am aware that there are sometimes people have had a mother or father spiritually who and it hasn't been great or you've been hurt or it hasn't worked out the way you'd hoped and you've been disappointed. If, if you really have, if there's any area, anything I spoke about today that you just were like, mm, I don't like that or that's awkward or difficult for me, I just really encourage you to get prayer. God can be pinpointing and highlighting things that he often wants us to do. And also, um, I know that Simon shared that testimony, but I did have a few words of knowledge. One about a lower left back pain. Um, so if that's you, please do respond. And I also felt like there was someone here um, who was having like heart palpitations, but I feel like they're specifically caused by stress. Um, and I just feel like you just need to encounter Jesus, the Prince of Peace, and that your heart will return to normal. Um, and then also felt like there was someone who had a problem with their throat. In the natural, how I got the word of knowledge is that I had like a big lump in my throat, which then went away after I wrote down the word of knowledge. So just even like a difficulty swallowing or putting food down your gullet or your whatever that's called, your food pipe. Um, <laughs> I just feel like God wants to heal throat problems as well. So if, that, if that's you, if you want to respond. But any other encouragement you need, a prophetic word or just prayer for anything, we love to see people made well. So please do come forward. Otherwise, there's tea and coffee at the back. Please uh, love one another well. And, uh, oh, sorry, it's over here. It used to be at the back. It's to my right, your left, down the front. And uh, say hi to people. And uh, have a great week. Thanks.